0: Hey guys, this is Ryan Groh with Lifeway Films, and recently I had the pleasure of watching Someone Like You, which is a film by Karen Kingsbury, and I was blown away. This film really illustrated some beautiful concepts that are, that are really packaged in a gospel-centric framework. You're going to walk out of the theater feeling good, encouraged in your faith, and really this movie helps provide a framework for forgiveness and walking through tough times. So if you get a chance, I would encourage you, go to someonelikeyou.movie, and while you're there, sign up for Karen's A-list. You can purchase tickets, learn more about the movie, see the trailer. That's someonelikeyou.movie. I think you'll really enjoy this film.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Karen Kingsbury. And yes, I have told a million stories, but I've never told mine until now. So on this podcast, you'll be hearing things about my story that you've probably never heard before. And because of that, um, for the second week, I have my favorite guest back again to help me tell this part of the story. And that is my husband, Donald
0: Russell. And I'm glad I'm here. It was so much fun reliving these.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like it is. like a walk down memory lane. Do you remember that we used to do that sometimes on our anniversaries? We would go and find a place where we could just sit and go over all the moments. We called the moments mm-hmm. that we had. And this is like that. This is a moment. Now, last week we talked about how we met and how in a moment that I will forever regret, like a low, 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 low moment, I broke your Bible in half. Last week, we talked about that, and how you forgave me.
0: Yes, definitely. I had to forgive, and I'm so glad I did.
1: Yeah, I am so glad you did, But you know what,
0: Karen Kingsbury breaking a bible I
1: know, right? (laughs) That was just the lowest moment. And you forgave me, God forgave me, I found the Bible, fell in love with God's Word, and now here we are. But at that point, once you had forgiven me, and now we're, okay, needing to find a church, that whole thing, that was a little bit of a sticky point, too. Do you remember?
0: Yes, I do. Because as as I said, you know, there's always a spiritual battle going on. Yeah. And so we all think, okay, I'm gonna love the Lord and be saved and then everything's gonna be roses.
1: Right. All right. But there's ups
0: and downs. Satan's there's somebody out there who does not want us as people to find the Lord.
1: Right. And that was wow, was that ever at work? So here we are, we're in LA. We're like in our mid twenties. And we both agree that God's word is living and active, and it's going to be the foundation of our life yes. forever, no matter what. Even if we we weren't engaged, but we just like, that was a for sure thing. But we're still trying to find a church. Now, we talked to like, you and I had been part of different denominations. We didn't want to go to that. We wanted to find it. Ch- our goal was to find a church that taught what the Bible said. Mm-hmm. Nothing more. No man-made beliefs, but just the, you know God's word. But it got a little exhausting. Do you remember?
0: It like, did. Well, we'd visited several churches. Yeah, we visited
1: was, lots of churches. They'd
0: throw stuff in, and you're just like, well, wait a minute.
1: Remember that one? Like, they had no windows in the building. I don't know what it was, but no windows. And they had a chalkboard, and the whole time, he just railed on other churches. Yes. I was like, this isn't loving.
0: Wait, what's going on? What's
1: happening? I mean, you you have to have both, right? Love and truth. Mm-hmm. And that's where you find that beautiful faith in Christ. But anyway, it was a journey, and I was kind of tired of it. And then I had a friend, um, uh, Suzanne, and she worked at the newspaper with me. Now at this point, I you know obviously graduated with my degree in journalism, and then I was working at the uh, LA Times to start with. But now I'm at the Simi Valley Enterprise mm-hmm. because I had to. They said you have to go cut your teeth on a smaller newspaper, and so I was there doing everything. Sports, religion beat, news, I mean, covering everything. And one of my friends was Suzanne. And she was older. She was like old enough to be, you know, our parent. Um, But she and her husband invited us over for dinner. And I was excited in a way, which was, this shows you my immaturity at the time, (laughs) because she was an atheist, Right, I should have been excited to tell the share the word of God with her, but that's not where I was at at that point. I was still new, and I just remember thinking this night we can like play a game and we can laugh and we don't have to talk about finding a church. Like we'll have a break from it. So we get to her house and she's super nice and her husband and they're showing us around the house mm-hmm. and they show us to her you know the son's room. We walk by. Oh, this is our son. You know, there's Jim. He's in the room. And you noticed right away, well, he was playing the guitar.
0: He was playing the guitar, which I thought was cool because I was trying to learn myself. Yeah. But what I noticed is on his bed was a Bible. Of course. Of course. We couldn't,
1: get, we couldn't escape <laughs> it. It was like everywhere we went, there was just, God was relentless, that hound of heaven, as we would say, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we go in the room there.
0: Well, I just, I walked in and I said, hey, I introduced myself and he was playing and, and I quickly, well, oh, there's a Bible here. So you're yeah. a believer?
1: I remember within seconds you were saying, um, you know. So do you read the Bible? Like I'm reading the Bible. Like Karen's reading the Bible, and we were about his age. You know, we were. He was maybe a little younger than us. He's like, oh yeah, I love the Bible. He was kind of a surfer guy. You remember? Mm-hmm. He was like, oh dude, yeah, I like, love the Bible. The Bible's living. It's alive and active. I thought, okay, this guy. Here we go. You know, like we just can't escape it. It was too much. So then, what does he do? But. You say to him, "Hey, we're looking for a church. We haven't been able to find a church that is on the Bible." Like it's we're in LA, so it is. You know, now that we live in Nashville, it's every corner. But when we were living in LA, that wasn't easy to find. No, it wasn't easy to find a church, for that matter. And so you said, "Yeah, we're looking for a church," and he pulls out this church card.
0: He did what he was supposed to do. He did what he was supposed to. He said, "Oh, well, I gotta. I go to this church, and you know, it's on the Bible and." So he invited us, gave us the church card, and I was so excited.
1: Yeah, and I was too. I you thought, were. okay, whatever then. If that's what, maybe this is it. Like, I was beginning to see that God works in, in mysterious ways every day. Like, I, I tell people now, look for the miracles in every single day. There are miracles happening around you. You just have to be paying attention. And thankfully, in that moment, you were. Because I think God had breezed right by. But, you know, you... From the beginning, even before we were engaged, you were a spiritual leader in our family. Um, you were the one who who saw those kinds of opportunities. You were praying strongly, you know, and ahead of me. You were ahead of me on all of this, and I love that about our relationship. And you know what I
0: think too is that at certain times, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead you. And at that point, I had to talk about the Bible constantly. Because you were going, we didn't know it, but you were going to be my wife, and this I wanted a great marriage and based on the Bible, you know. As you get older, now I know my spots. You know, you meet somebody, and right away you don't want to just just talk about this, and then you want to get to know who they are and. Yeah, you can't
1: write. You know, can't bring out like a scripture to them right away, unless unless it makes sense in the moment. I mean, if you get off, they're down and they need it. But yeah, you have to get to know somebody and pour into the relationship. You have to learn to listen Uh, to the spirit. But you're just as bold now, which I love. I love that about you, and I've I've always loved it. I think that was why I stuck around with a guy who was reading the Bible all the time. Was that you had such a, a such a fierce love of God. And that was attractive to me it, that you knew what you wanted and you knew what you believed and you were not afraid of it. I was. I was the one that was more like, I think I introduced myself, you know, faith wise, when you said, Well, what's your faith situation? And I was like, um, You know, I believe in God, but I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, today I'd probably say that I'm not religious also, but more in the sense of religion just being traditions and. And you know, kind of a self righteousness, but instead, I want a relationship with Jesus. There you go. And that's what you wanted. That's what you wanted from the beginning. So here you are talking to this guy. Jimmy gives you a card, and it's West Valley Christian Church in the valley, not too far from where we you know where our, where our different homes were. I was living with my parents at the time mm-hmm. because to get a job at the Simi Valley Enterprise meant <laughs> to take like a. I think I made twelve thousand dollars a year. Like literally, I'm like. I can't even afford gas, but it was what I needed to do for a year to get back to the LA Times. And so uh, we go to church that weekend, and oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit was just moving in ways I had never even begun to imagine. Uh, The sermon, I think Tom Moyers was preaching that day, maybe. I remember... Um, we had somewhere to get. We couldn't stay for the whole service. Right. And I just had tears streaming down my face. Just, I was weeping. And there's no other word for it. I mean, tears just pouring down my face because I could feel God wrapping me in his arms and saying, it's okay, you're home. You are home.
0: Like you can't stop it. No. If you wanted to. I, I can remember that feeling right. too. Like, it just felt, it felt home. You're just like, wow.
1: And you this. know, it wasn't like the building, you no. know, it was the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because I know, I mean, the church is the church around the world of people who follow Jesus and will be together for eternity. That's the church, and that's the bride of Christ. But I didn't know any of that then. I didn't understand what I was feeling. What I was feeling was the love and the warmth and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And we talk about how, you know, when you're a Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean everything was rosy and everything's perfect. But you are perfectly loved and you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, and there is nothing better than that. You could be in any situation, and you know that He is right there. He's, he's with you, and He's filling your heart, and that's the joy that will never leave. So even though things might go wrong externally, you still have this deep joy, and I'd never felt that love. I'd never known what that was like, and I just remember weeping, and we had to leave early. I think we had a wedding or something to go to, um, we got outside and I remember Bob Harder.
0: Chased us down. He
1: chased us down. <laughs> he came out. He was like, What what is it, Are you okay? Uh, is uh, did we offend you? Is wrong? Do we, yeah, did we offend you in some way? And um and I just like gave him a big hug. Like he doesn't even know me, you know, I'm just brand new. I said, No, just we'll be back.
0: <laughs> we did, we had a prior commitment, but <laughs> we'll we <will laughs> definitely be back. We'll
1: for sure be back. Um got involved in a small group hmm Jim Bell. Remember yes. how fun that oh, was? Oh, that was so much fun. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments and of learn-
0: that? You know what was neat is because sometimes we think of – church or Christians or, the, you know, even sometimes we think of God as he's just up there judging. And yeah. what I loved about it as I've started to grow was laughter. Laughter. Christians were so much fun. Yeah. Like we laughed and laughed and laughed. Tom Ellsworth, our yeah. our roommate and a good friend of ours. I mean, there was just so much laughter going on and, and yet growing, you know, spiritually. And I love that Jim and his wife, Cindy, they, it was, a, you know, this is the word, this is what it says. And and.
1: Unwavering, it,
0: yes, and, but
1: laughter and love. I mean, it was, it was all of right, that.
0: it wasn't done as you know, hitting you on the head with a hammer, yeah, it was just so much fun.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I remember you guys, remember the skits they would do? Mm-hmm. You would do the the wild and crazy disciples or something, <laughs> I don't know, some silly <laughs> take skit. off of Saturday night. It was so fun. So, it was all new to me. The Word of God was alive and active, the Holy Spirit was moving. And I remember um, going through a basic Bible study so we would understand. Who Jesus was, what the word of God meant, you know, just looking up verses we would have never known that were kind of categorized. Yeah. Topical Bible study, basic points that we would be able to make a decision because we talked about counting the cost and how, you know, like scripture says, you don't go to war without first assessing your army. And that's true with becoming a believer. Like, you know, if you're listening, like I want you to be a believer. We want, we want people to give their life to Jesus, but you do have to consider the commitment you're making. And they had us do that. I thought it was, it was very responsible for them to do that. And then on December 13th, 1987, we got baptized. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, Jim Bell baptized you. He was our small group leader. And this was at church one Sunday morning. And then you baptized me. Mm-hmm. And what an incredible start. And by then we were engaged. I guess I breezed over the engaged part. The part that I think was really great before the engagement for us. So this is all like I broke the Bible in January. By December, getting baptized. So, but in between that time, there was a moment where you called me, and I thought, you know, you, you were like, sounded nervous. I could tell something was different. And you said, Karen, can we meet at the park? I just have something oh, yeah. really important to tell you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness, I should fix my hair because (laughs) maybe this is that. Maybe you're going to pop the question because back then it wasn't, you know, we didn't have helicopters and drones and, you know, all the things that people do for engagements today. It wasn't like, you know, it was just like, hey, will you marry me? Like, I love you. Get down on my knee. So I expected that might have been what we were going to do, but we go out. Uh, to the park, we meet there, and I'm like, all you know, ready and wow, excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know <laughs> you didn't know the time, I was <laughs> At the time.
1: And you said, Um, you said, honey, I, and you like, looked me right in the eyes. And We were very in love, you know, we were we were tracking with, with each other, with God, with the Bible, and you looked me right in the eyes and you said, I just need you to know something before we go any further with this relationship. I said, okay, yes. I, I knew now it's not sounding much like an engagement, you know? <laughs> and you said, I am always going to love God more than you. And I just need you to be okay with that. And I was like, okay, um, hmm, you don't really find that in a Hallmark card. <laughs> I, could tell, I could tell you didn't have, you couldn't, you know, probably the first person in history who'd ever pulled their girlfriend aside and said that. And yet again, right away, I could feel the strength in what you said. You were basically telling me you were going to love God more than me. That meant you would love me more than anyone ever could.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you had God first, then you would live a godly life. You would be true and faithful, and yes. you would continue to seek after after God. Uh, what could I want more than that? So it became like a funny moment that mm-hmm. that's what you said. That was your big romantic um, you know, conversation with me that honey, just want you to know I'm always gonna love God more than you. But it was truly a promise. And I think it was a month or two later, closer, you know, closer to Christmas time, um, maybe maybe Thanksgiving, that you got down on one knee mm-hmm. and gave me the sweet diamond ring that I still wear. There I didn't need go. to change it. I didn't trade it in. It was it just Perfect, because it reminds me of those beautiful days when we were just starting out. So we get married, and (laughs) we have absolutely nothing. Like, do you remember? (laughs) We had nothing at all. Because I had moved back home, so I had no furniture at all. I lived on the couch at my parents' house, because they'd turned my bedroom into an office by then. Um, And we're like, what, 23, 24 years old? And you lived in an apartment. You had um, a couple roommates. but You were getting... Your teaching credential, do yes. you remember? Yes. And so together we had like $5. We had nothing.
0: Right. Uh, you know, you're know, you going to school and working, a little little job here, but nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you were full-time, you were taking more than 18 credits, and you were doing just fine. But getting married, we were like, well, what are we going to do? So it was actually, I think it was um, a friend at church had a mom who wasn't a believer, um, but she lived by herself. She was a widow, and she had a nice, beautiful house. South of the boulevard remember we talked. that's that's where the nice houses were in and so LA. we got
0: to say hey uh, we're living south, south of, of the, the boulevard. boulevard
1: The catch was we lived in her garage
0: <laughs> yes Wow <laughs> wah, wah.
1: <laughs> We literally we literally lived in a garage and it wasn't really quite a garage it was a one car garage that was separate from the house it was in the backyard and they called it the bunker because back in the Cold War people actually thought so it was like the you know the 80s, um, people thought that if you had a building with no windows and no, you know, like the doors were all paneled, so it was kind of a closed-in building. That if a nuclear bomb dropped, you would be totally fine in the bunker. I think they were probably wrong, but that's what they had, and that's where uh, her husband, this woman's husband, had done all of his uh, legal work. He mm-hmm. had gone out there and he was just, had become made a an study. Out of it. And He made an office out of it. So now he had passed, and she was like in her eighties, and she was a sad person. But she wandered through the house, and she was kind of lonely. But she, she was nervous of us being there. Um, she made it very clear, like, don't come in the house. Like, you can rarely use the kitchen. And so this little, this little building had a pull-out couch. It had a couch. It was a pull-out couch bed. That was our first bed.
0: We used to love to give the tour of it.
1: Oh, yeah. You give a tour, you just stand at the doorway.
0: (laughs) Go. There it is. There's the couch. There's a little bathroom. (laughs) It was a
1: walkway that went around the bed and a couple of bookshelves because he had been a lawyer, you know, so he had a lot of room for books. And we put lots of framed pictures up there. And somehow, in our craziness, we bought a kitten. Do you remember that? We? I think that was me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not logical. That's true. That would be me then. Definitely. So, yeah, so we had a little kitten, and that was our, our company, and yes. we had no intention of having kids for a long Like We didn't even have a time frame. We were just like, I don't know if we thought time was just sort of stopped, but never occurred to us. We had a couple of tennis rackets from Walmart.
0: We got a picnic table.
1: We got a $99 picnic table because mm-hmm. it was L.A., so it was warm, and we'd sit out there. You'd have your old guitar, and we'd sit out there under the Southern California Starry Nights, And you would play worship songs, and Mm -hmm. we would sing praises to God, and we were so happy. So we lived in a garage, and yeah, you would teach my dad, and you would joke about, you know, nothing but the best. Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) She married me, nothing but the best for her, get a a garage. Got a
1: garage. But at the same time, we were so happy. And I really, I mean, nothing, money and, you know, things and houses, it doesn't change the joy of the Lord that we felt
0: then. I was going to say, it's just... It goes back to what you said earlier. It's because it is. You, you hear right. people say that, but it's so true. If you have the Lord, you're going to have days. You're going to be down and depressed sometimes and sad, yeah. but that joy. And I agree with you. I look back. I'm not. I can't say I'm happier now because of. You know, we have a house now. We have this, right. that, just that joy of the Lord. It was we so fun.
1: laughed so much, and you're so funny. Anyway, you're you're hilarious. Now our kids are funny because you're funny. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it was, it was one of those things where we'd come home from church. We did a lot of things at church. We had mm-hmm. Sunday night. We, I feel like we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, church. Um, we, would do, we would do all the fun activities that they would be a part of, and we loved it. It was, And I think my parents thought, you know, I might have—I think they maybe thought I was in a cult. I mean, I think they really just—people who are living one way and then one family member gives their life over to Jesus, it's like, what happened to them? I can, rem- I can remember coming home from the beach once, which I loved the beach. I loved it then. I love it now. And you and I would go to the beach, and you know, your makeup gets washed off. Not yours, but mine. I was going to say,
0: mine stayed on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my makeup would get washed off, of course. And I remember coming back from the beach one hot summer day, and my sister saying to me, look at you. You're in such a cold, You don't even wear makeup anymore. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We, we thought They thought we were different. So we we're engaged, and, and, I, and this is an important part too is that before we got married, I, my parents wanted me to get married in the traditional church where we had been raised. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to. I wanted to get married at a church that believed the Bible or followed the Bible more closely. And so I remember meeting with our pastor and him saying, Look, you know, your family loves you. And if you can do this, if you you know, a building's a building. Like, go and get married at the church that won't You just don't do anything that would go against the Bible. But get married there, and you're going to build a bridge people will walk over later. Mm-hmm. Um, what beautiful words. And we did that beautiful. and um, made our families happy. And eventually, I mean, to cut to the chase to where we are today, they all— have given their lives over to Jesus. They mm-hmm. love the Bible. You know, it's um, been tremendous to watch the faithfulness of God as we've prayed for family members. But we were so happy, we were so in, in so much in love and so joyful with our cat and our garage. And then I find out that I'm pregnant. Six months. We've only been married six months, so we had no that we were. I believe doing pretty much everything we could to not be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Um, and yet there we were, and I, I took that test, and I would just remember sitting, like looking at it and staring at that positive result going, what in the world is God thinking? Do you, And now, how did you feel? Well, like yeah, that?
0: I mean, I should have been like you, like I should have been, <laughs> wow, we don't have money, we don't have this, but in my young belief that God, you know, the Bible says God will take care of everything you need, not what you want, but every all your need, just trust Him. Right? I mean, he's there. He loves us. And I just remember being excited to the point of, I was, eee!
1: Yes, I remember. I'm super excited. I couldn't believe <laughs> it. It was one your it. first time. That's still famous. Your, you know, your basketball teams through the years, sure. your classes, all of our kids all know when you- When, when I get you, excited, it yes. just
0: overflows. And there.
1: that's how you were. You uh, were. Yes. And I was crying like, what is God thinking in, my, in our dark windowless garage? With no heat or air, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it got cold in LA, I and mean, it would be some mornings it'd be 50 degrees in that garage, that little house garage that we lived in, the bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we knew that God had a plan, and we knew that that you know I, rem- I can remember also we drove, we took a trip um, to uh, like 10 minutes away to my mom and dad's house to tell them about the news. And you do you, do you recall what you were doing? No. So the whole time we were driving, you had the window down, and at every stoplight you were like, Oh yes.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. You tell i <laughs> crazy. I have to apologize for those people who saw me. I just stick my head out and go, we're going to have a baby. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Just announcing it to the world like I so couldn't believe exciting. it. So exciting.
1: It was, you were, and I, you have, I mean, your, your childlike faith, which you have kept, by the way, all this time, in a good way, um, was what got me through that. Because it was terrifying. And why it was terrifying was, number one, of course, we had no money, mm-hmm. which, okay, that's, we can handle that. Our parents had no money either. Like nobody right. was really going to be able to help us with right. this situation. Um, and like I said, we were trying not to get pregnant. So, you know, the woman who lived in the house, when she found out, she said, where would you be moving? Mm-hmm. Like you can't stay here. Obviously, with, you know, 50 degree mornings and there, I mean, obviously we needed a place. We had still no money. That's where Tom Ellsworth came in.
0: Mm-hmm. And you
1: mentioned that earlier that he was our roommate. Um Tom was a quirky, funny, amazing, intelligent guy that we met in our group. He was single at the time we met him in our small group Bible study. Mm-hmm. And he was hilarious and he also was so generous and he was working in the ground level of
0: cell phones cell
1: phones. So he was doing pretty well in he fact was doing fine. yeah. So he offered to live with us. and we got an apartment just a few miles away from where we you know our church was and we were all still in the, in the San Bernard Valley at this point. And, uh, you know, Tom was in one room, me and you, you know, in the other room. Now, early on in my pregnancy, uh, we had like kind of a crisis hit because I, I got a, like pneumonia, probably from the garage. When you I, got garage. sick. I got pretty sick. Uh, lots of coughing and then started, you know, looking like I was having a miscarriage. Yes. So went to the doctor and, and he said, yeah, you're losing this baby. He was pretty gruff. It was not that it was not. The real doctor that we were normally with, it was like guy filling in. He was mm-hmm. still a doctor, I guess, but
0: just kind of factual matter of fact. Very matter
1: of fact, he said, You're yes. losing this baby, you need to go in and get a DNC. So he was recommending go over to the hospital and just have the procedure done to finish off this miscarriage. And I was we, we we were both I was so sick. And you were helping me walk. And I think we were both crying. Like by now we had come to love this baby. I think I was four or five months pregnant. And um, we maybe not even that far, maybe mm. three months, and so we went over to the hospital, and um, they do an ultrasound. Thank you, Jesus. They did an ultrasound, and the nurse who was working said, um, "There's a heartbeat." Mm. Like, are you sure you want to do this? And I like practically jumped off that table. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, there's a heartbeat. No, and then the doctor was—he like, was pretty rude. I mean, yes. he said. Well, you're losing the baby. You can go home. I'll see you again in a couple days. So we went home and prayed Prayed and prayed and and prayed. Prayed Prayed for a miracle.
0: And, you know. Look how good God is. The baby lived. When you think. Our precious Kelsey. Yes. But anybody out there, look back on your life. and Look back on those things that you don't even think about where God was there.
1: Right. I think of Luke one thirty seven. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And that became our mantra, kind of like our our promise that we kept on, sort of standing on that promise of God. And when we moved into the apartment, Tom had his room, we had our room, and then we had Kelsey, and she was um, she actually had another struggle there at birth, but mm. she survived that and um, was in intensive care for the first week. And after that, we brought her home. And my sadness now was that I'd have to go back to work because you were just finishing up school and were not making enough for us to survive. And I had already put the money down, I think it was non-refundable money it was. on um, a you know, daycare situation for her. But the whole time, like the whole entire time, from the beginning when I found out I was pregnant, you were praying. And you actually were, you took on the role of like leader of our home really beautifully in that moment because you said, I am going to pray that God will show you a way to write from home and to make the money you're making at work to make that money from home. By now, uh, remember I was over at the Los Angeles Daily News Mm -hmm. and I had doubled my salary. So I was making, we were like, you know, making like 24000 which was again nothing, but we had at least that. And I worked 12-hour days. With the newspaper, so here my maternity leave is ending. You have been praying every day that God would show me a way to. be. Well, you just it, you know. kept saying
0: because you were sad, like I'm never going to see never this baby. See I got to work child. twelve hours. Right. And I didn't want to live it that way. Yeah, and I just thought, okay, God, I, we trust you. We need. Do you have a plan? I you don't were know. What so it is. happy, by the way. Yes, I
1: remember you not doubting at all. You were no. like, God's going to show us. There's going to be a way. You were completely. I mean, I, I have to say, your faith in that situation was breathtaking it mm, truly was it was and, and and it gave me hope but i i prayed you you asked me to pray mm-hmm. you said Karen i need you to pray too don't i can't just be me we have to both be praying but i prayed doubtfully and you prayed believing and you prayed that way every day and so i think it was middle of that time i had written an article for people magazine about a a sad story about a girl who was killed by her best friends That's what I was covering. I was out of sports by then. I had done the sports writing thing, and now I was doing true crime stories, and it was very, very sad. Um, And I remember saying, "I want to go back to sports," but to make money, you know, on the maternity leave, I sold this story to People, and they paid—I think it was seven hundred dollars, seven fifty, something like that. And that—that's like the biggest magazine you can freelance for, you know, something like a People. And it was my sort of see. This isn't going to work. Moment, (laughs) because if this is what we're making for an article, and it's like a huge deal to get a story in People, Um, but now you know, we're what am I going to do to actually be able to be home? And it was just looking like nothing. Keep praying. I
0: said, keep praying. (laughs) You did.
1: You, You were, and you were. You said it like, you know how a parent will remind a child that yes, lunch is coming that's how confident you were you were you were so confident that god had us and it made no sense to me at all you were like no i'm praying for your annual salary that's what i'm praying for that you'll find it you know there'll be a way so an agent in new york saw the story in people magazine and he contacted me now this is before computers you know so he's like calling me on the phone like Hey, I think this would make a really good book. This is a good true crime story, and you know, it'd be a good it'd be a good book to write. What do you think? And I'm 25, 26. You know, I'm I've never written a book, but it's funny because it took me back to Plan A. My Plan A in life was always to be a novelist. I wanted to write books, but not true crime books. <laughs> so I went and bought a couple of true crime books, read them to try to understand what that was. I wrote a proposal. He loved it, and I'm like. Where where is this really going? I said, "What is an author? How does that work? Do they get paid up front or or what?" And he said, "Well, you're young and you've never written a book, so you might get a couple thousand dollars, but you're not you know that's about what you get." And again, I'm thinking, okay, so we can pay off our used Honda. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. had one car between us. Yes, but how in the world am I going to be able to quit that job and be home with this precious baby girl? And it just didn't look like there was really any way. And then. You know, I think it was two days before my maternity leave was up. I got a call from the agent. he said, "You need to sit down." And this guy was a Jewish guy and very nice guy and very um, successful, and he had an accent, super strong, you know, New York accent. and uh, And he was a very faithful man in his own right. but yes. and and he said, Karen, he goes, "You aren't going to believe this. You have to sit down." And so uh, you know, I know I sat down. I said, yes." and he said, "I got your book into your proposal because uh, it was only a twenty page proposal. But he got it into a bidding war between two major New York publishers. And that bidding war got it up to, the, like he said, what the advance was. And I was like, what? And I remember thinking, wait, you know, I, I, my head was spinning. And he said, now, don't get too excited because you'll only get, I get 15% first, he said. And he said, you'll get a third when you sign the contract. And then you'll have to cover the, the trial of this particular case. Um, And you probably won't have the book turned in for a year. And when you turn the book in, you'll get the next third. I said, just what is that amount, that first third minus your percent? Like, what is that first amount? And do you remember it was $11.89 more than I made a year? Do
0: I remember? (laughs) We celebrated big time.
1: Yeah, we went to Denny's with the
0: $11. (laughs) We had 11 extra dollars. That's
1: right. Isn't that something? When you look back, there like people will say, "How'd you get into you know public? How'd you get published? Like, what's the kind of trick or secret?" Well, there's none. Mm-mm. That was all oh God. There is no way exactly what you were praying for.
0: And I can remember not a not an in your face thing, but like Karen, do you see? Pray and believe that God yeah. is in control because we're not as humans. We want to be in control, and we're not. No matter what you think, you are not in control. Right. And, and God loves us.
1: And that. It, I'll always remember your beautiful childlike faith because you've kept it for one thing, uh, and it made me feel so much peace. I used to have, you know, panic attacks when I was teenager and in college, and I'd lay down to go to sleep, and my heart would just pound. And, and because of your faithfulness, because of your beautiful childlike faith, I had peace. I did. It really made a huge difference. It changed the way that I felt, and I got I got started memorizing scripture, and I could feel the peace even in the bunker, that God had it all under control, even while pregnant in the bunker. And and just that I could look to the right where you were sleeping, and I could know that your beautiful faith, had, that you had me. It's the way God designed us to be. Um, as husband and wife, I really feel like that picture of... We each have our gifts and our strengths, and that's fine. It's not like I sit in a corner, but you are such the spiritual leader of our home.
0: Well, thank you. I just... To me it's important it, it says to pray right and fathers pray for your family yeah
1: and exactly so that, well there was one time that we ended up having to pray uh, that was another miracle that happened in our life and it was years later when we lived in Arizona because you became a teacher basketball coach very successful and uh, we went to, to Arizona we needed to get out of LA because Tyler was born and he had his, um, his environmental asthma. So, we had to get out of LA. We went to Cottonwood, Arizona.
0: Yes, love Cottonwood. It was our
1: next stop. And something truly crazy happened. You began, you who are like so athletic and so fit and still work out, you know, every day. And I remember you started limping and you started having weakness in your grip and uh, come to be diagnosed with what looked like Lou Gehrig's disease. And for six months, we prayed. I mean, all the tests were looking like you had ALS. And so you were, um, looking like that's what it was. But after the final test that they had done, which was a muscle biopsy that looked like you had it, and then they had they had us wait six months before you could go and get tested to see exactly what kind of muscular dystrophy it was, but they thought it was ALS, it was Luke Eric's. During those six months, prayed like crazy. Church members, family, you know, pastor would come over, anoint you with oil, pray over you and pray over you. And when we went in to get that final test six months later, I remember they had to put 100 little small needles into your muscles. And when they turned the machine on with those needles in your muscles, the sound that it made would determine what kind of muscular dystrophy you had.
0: You just wait for that flip of the switch. Yeah,
1: your whole life depends on that next few moments. And I remember in the middle of that waiting, going to church one night and on a Wednesday night, and Great is Thy Faithfulness was the song they were playing. And I remember thinking, it was again, it's like all the noise in the room quieted, and just that truth settled down on me from Lamentations that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And I remember feeling like, not necessarily that you would live, not necessarily that it would be okay or you'd be cured, but that we would be okay because his faithfulness truly is great, and his mercies are new every morning. So there we are in that room in those needles. He turns on the switch, and there's nothing but silence. And silence is the sound of the healthy muscles with no problems at all. So he repositions the pins, flips the switch again.
0: Looked at the chart. Remember? Looked at the
1: chart. Like, what? And What is going on? And repositions him. This takes 10 minutes. Flips the switch again. And silence. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you, Mr. Russell, but you are healthy. And I am going to write one word in your charts and that word is, do you Mir- remember? Miracle. Miracle. Yes. He literally wrote the word miracle, miracle. down in your charts. He said, I can't tell you I'm a believing man, but I have to say that there is, based on your blood work, based on, based on the muscle biopsy, looking at all your chart here. This is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we we talked about Luke one thirty seven, how nothing is impossible with God. And, you know, you might need a miracle right now. You might be that family that's living in a bunker or facing some sort of medical diagnosis. And I will say that it doesn't always work out where you get that particular answer. We talked about that, you know, and I, I don't understand that. I don't know why sometimes it's a yes or no, but God does. And he has great plans for you. And I can say that no matter what, if you're praying and taking it to the Lord, you will get the right answer. You'll get the answer He has for you. And in that answer, you can trust that He loves you. Um, miracles happen. Nothing's impossible for God. So thanks for this. It's been yes. really special to go back. I think and, this is
0: fun. It's fun doing this. Yeah, it is.
1: It's fun. And it's deep and it's sweet. And mm-hmm. it, it's important to remember the fabric that began the tapestry of our lives. Right. I think Very that's, important. That's really critical. And it's um, it's sweet. It's, a, it's sort of an offering of thanksgiving to God at his faithfulness mm-hmm. as well. Great so next is week, thy faithfulness. That's right. Great is thy <laughs> there faithfulness. You there you go. So next week, um, we are going to talk. Well, you won't be with me, but it is going to be so exciting because do you remember when I first started writing? I, I wrote four true crime books. I was done with that. I couldn't take it. I didn't want to do any more crime. That was it. Uh, I always God always gave me a a Christian character in those stories, interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. like a detective who had a Bible verse on his desk, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to write any more of them. So I wrote a, a novel, and I didn't know where it would be published. And I had a friend who said, you know, you need to read a special author, Francine Rivers. So yes, next week, I will talk with Francine Rivers about the writing process, about why she wrote Redeeming Love, about how that has changed her life. And it's funny because, you know, my, my friend that worked at a bookstore at the time, when I was writing my first novel, she said, I have a challenge for you, and this challenge is going to change your life. And I'll tell you about that next week. Let's go ahead and pray. Okay. You want to do it?
0: I would love to. Okay. Lord, thank you once again for everything that you have done. I just pray, Father Lord, that... Uh, we would all trust you that we would look Jesus. for those miracles. Mm-hmm. That we would pray on everything. Your word says that. Pray about everything. There's nothing too small or too large that that you can't handle or that you laugh at, Lord. There's you are in complete control, and I just pray that we would trust you. Thank you once again for this opportunity for us to to share with each other and to look back. I think it's so important. Uh, the main reason is because it shows that you, Lord, are in charge of everything. Yes, Jesus. May we always look to you. It's in your powerful name in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.